1: Introducing a new dog into your home, how to know how well your new puppy can be trained, and a book on easy and healthier ways to make dog treats. That's what's on our show this week. Let's get started. Hey, did
0: you hear that? What is that? It's the bark heard round the world. The Doggy Diva Show. Here's Susan Marie.
1: Welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-hosts, the Doggy Divas themselves, Francesca, Coco, and our newest little diva, Miss Olive. Miss Olive is the cute little Italian greyhound rescue in the picture with the microphone. Thank you for joining us today as we bring the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment.
2: If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, you'll fall in love with the klepto kitty who stars in Talk to the Paw by Melinda Metz. Talk to the Paw is a funny, heartwarming novel about a single girl, a single guy, and MacGyver, an adorable tabby cat with a not-so-adorable habit of stealing from the neighbors. Talk to the Paw is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info.
3: (laughs)
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Monica Layton from Professional Pet Sitting. And Monica, you know, with, um, with adopting, with fostering, there's um, so much going on out there. What's the best way to introduce a new dog into a home with an existing dog
2: we see that a lot just because you know we do have people out there that foster or they want to add you know a second addition to their home and it's always you know beneficial just to take a, a few precautionary steps um, in the introduction phase and also you know bringing them and introducing in them into a new environment, a new house, it can be stressful for the owner, the new pet, the existing pet. So just, you know, a couple tips to kind of ease that stress and make that introduction, you know, a little easier on everybody. Um, first, we always recommend when you go pick up the new dog, you know, maybe leave your current dog at home. Let them get to know you first. So that way, you're not picking up a dog and they're overwhelmed with, you know, being intimidated by a new person they've never met and a new dog in their face and it's just you know a lot so you know maybe starting out with just starting out with the person getting them feeling comfortable with you you know spend a couple minutes you know get on the lower level make them feel comfortable with you that way they can develop that trust a little bit before they get into a situation where they're having another variable into that situation so, again, you know, maybe get them to know you first and recruit a helper. Have an extra hand. Try not to do it, you know, just yourself if possible. Um, that way, you know, when you do bring that pet home or you do bring that pet to a meeting area, then you have somebody to handle the existing pet and also somebody to handle the new pet. So when you do introduce them, I always recommend doing it in a neutral setting. You do not want to get into territorial issues. Um, you know, after you get the new dog, maybe take them to a park or, you know, a pet-friendly, you know, place around town. Maybe a, a restaurant or simply a walking trail, something, to where they can come across each other casually, but with no territorial, you know, issues going on at that time. You don't want to bring a new pet into the house and have your existing pet initially you know, be guarding their area. You want them to kind of meet when they're not guarding anything, and that's yourself included. Um, Also, keep the initial introductions brief. You know, try not to stick them together for a long period of time right away. Let them sniff each other and then maybe walk around the block and bring them back together. You know what I mean? Then have them sniff and you know, by the end of a walk, maybe have them walk the last little bit together. Have, you know, one on one side of the road, one on the other side of the road. Just side by side and then slowly get them closer and closer until they're at a level where they're comfortable. When they, you know, of course they should be able to sniff each other and chuck each other out and, you know, be nose to nose and, you know, be able to, you know, learn about the other dog. But do it at a very slow, short interval pace. That way... They have their own space. They can retreat back. They can have that kind of space in between that interaction. That way they're really getting to know each other, but it's not so in-your-face and overwhelming. When you bring in a younger dog into a household especially, younger dogs have a ton of energy. And the last thing an older dog is going to want is some puppy in its face twenty four seven. But if that puppy excitement is counteracted with a short introduction and then a walk around the block followed by another short introduction then that energy level is decreased because they're getting that activity the stimulation is not as in your face and all at once um another thing is your you being the handler and that pet owner the way you speak the way your body behavior is they're gonna feed off of that activity. If you're very anxious, if you're very tight-leashed, they're gonna feed off that tension. So, you know, try to stay calm. Try to keep a nice, normal tone, whatever your everyday tone is. It can, of course, be stressful because you're worried, is there gonna be an issue? Um, things of that nature. But the more calm you are, the more they're going to feed off that energy. You know, take it as, you know, any other day as if you were on a regular walk with your dog, you know, meeting somebody else on the side of the road. You know, if you pass a dog on your walk every day and would normally let the dogs interact, do it like you would any other situation. You know, but the dogs are going to, you know, obviously interact a lot more than that. But initially, like I said, treat it like you would any other day. Because if you're anxious and you're, you know, high-pitched or sounding different than you normally do, they're going to know there's something odd and they're going to pick up on that anxiety. Another thing is, you know, constantly rewarding good behavior. And during those short interactions, if they sniff and aren't aggressive, give them both lots of love, lots of praise, special treats, you know, really, really reward the positive behavior. And, of course, you know, watch the dog's body language. If you see that one dog is you know, really not so interested or, you know, really seems fearful, take it slower. If they seem very easygoing about it, then take the next step. But definitely keep a close eye on both dogs. That way you can kind of see and you can tell by your dog. You know, if your dog is scared, if the ears are tucked down, the tail's tucked, you know, you know, they're feeling some anxiety and they're having some issues. So just kind of take it a little slower. Um, but if you follow those simple you know, steps, even when you get them into the household, you know, keep them separate until they're really feeling comfortable together. That way, when you do get them together, you have far less problems. It's much more stress-free on the pets. It's less stress on the people, you know, the families, and it'll strengthen that bond having a good start. You know what you say is so true, um,
1: and I'm just going back to recently we were visiting some people who had a dog, and of course we have three of our own, and there was a little anxiety on the other person's part as to bringing our, we have three small dogs and they have a large dog, but I said we need to keep calm as the pet uh, parents. We keep calm, we control it because we're the pack leaders. We have to control the anxiety level of the animals, and I'm telling you, what was expected and pe- people who came in to visit were going oh my gosh they're all getting along and i said because when we first introduced them together it was neutral they all sort of said okay this is my job this is your job this is your job okay we're all cool no one's stepping on each other's toes and they got along great that <laughs> was for a week so it it is it's like the pet parent and the it controls it because they have to remember they're the pack leader you can't leave a new dog in the house. Can't let the dog run the house. You have to control the situation. So that's excellent. And um, these are all great tips. And there's so many, you know, dogs looking for forever homes or foster homes. And this is such great information because it's going to really take the kind of like the overwhelming feeling that some people feel. And, oh, my gosh, I can't take in. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's very manageable. And this is great information, Monica. I thank you so very much thank you
2: have a wonderful week
1: coming up a new way to determine how well your dog can be trained stay with us
4: Let's talk pets. Let's talk
0: pets on Pet Life Radio.
2: Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. The holidays have passed, and many homes may have new puppies in their families. And with the holidays, and maybe you might be seeing some behavior issues, well, we have with us today puppy expert and certified professional dog trainer, Kim Paciotti, who you just may have the answers for us, Kim, and for all these puppy parents, whether they be new or old. So welcome to the show.
4: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, you have a very diverse background, and can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
4: Well, actually, I was a professional chef for 20-some years, and I taught down at Johnson & Wales College in Charlotte. And when the economy kind of started getting a little crazy in 2008, 2009, I got more or less, I'm done with it. (laughs) So I've always had a kind of a passion for Dogs for dog training and so forth, and at the same time, we had had a uh, English Mastiff ourselves who was having some behavior issues. She was a ten-month-old puppy, and we had had where our Labrador had passed away, and she was grieving because of it. So we hired a trainer and that trainer told us to do some really kind of crazy things with the dog, which actually made it worse. And I pretty much vowed to favor at that point in time that I was going to figure out what was wrong with her and, and help her because everybody kept saying, put the dog down, put the dog down. Well, that was an option for me. So I began delving into going to school and taking classes and, and going everywhere to learn whatever I possibly could about the dogs, about dog training and so forth. Went through and got my CPD key. Um, But then my niche kind of came well into studying how uh, puppies learn, early puppy development. We studied how zoo animals learn, how autistic children learn, um, and applied a lot of the same principles to the puppies and are having absolutely amazing results
1: early on. We had a greyhound who had severe separation anxiety and we'd taken her to a number of, of, veterinarians and they also said, you know, my advice is to put it on. I mean, she ate her way through our house, right to the outside. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. um, that we brought in one of my, one of the vets said, bring in a behavior special, a certified trainer, they can help you, and I'm telling you, we cured her separation anxiety. Never thought it could happen, and neither did many uh-huh. people. But I know firsthand that this thing what you do is you know proven, and I respect what you do. It's 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 a very dedicated field, and there's there's just a lot to it. But what was your inspiration for starting training canines? Well, actually, saber.
4: Um, it was one of those. Like I said, I was kind of really done with. The, I would open up restaurants, and basically, I would get the kids before they would go out to the real world, so to speak. So it was one of that times where a lot of it was the me generation where everybody, I don't know, I grew up where you went into a business and you said, Hey, this is what I can bring to your business. This is what I can do for you. This is how I can help the team where I kept seeing everybody being more like, well, well, when is my day off? When is my vacation? And I got to the point where I just didn't want to deal with it. So Um, like I said, I went to school, I did what I had did, and I just dove right into it. I originally started doing private clients, going to people's homes, so forth, trying to get, you know, help them that way. But then I was, I was bored. To be honest, I was totally bored. Dog training is boring because you go into people's homes, you tell them what to do, and they look at you, okay, yeah, we'll do it. And then guess what? Life happened and they never did. So, part of one of my things that I had to do for the certifications was I had to volunteer at local rescues and work at the shelters and so forth. Well, what was astonishing to me was I was constantly seeing purebred dogs coming in, golden retrievers, labs, which are like the top dogs. They're, you know, eight months, nine months, a year old, and they're coming into these rescues. And I'm like, something's not right here. I mean, not that, I mean, people pay good money for them, not that it's like, you wouldn't want somebody, I mean, not that it's any other dog. I don't mean that to sound the wrong way, but I'm like, how could someone invest good money into a dog and then turn around and just surrender it eight months later? It didn't make sense to me. So that's when I started, you know, checking into, we have to, basically we have to educate people. We have to tell them how important it is when that puppy is little, what you need to do, um, some of the things that can stop. I mean, everybody's so worried about getting that puppy to do and laying and all that. But the main thing for puppies is to shape their temperament. That's the biggest thing
1: in order to move forward. And all the other stuff comes easy. In shaping the temperament, you have this empowerment. um, Can you tell us about the Empowerment Puppy Personality Assessment? I I found that fascinating.
4: Well, what we have, and this has come from litter after litter after litter, we originally started scent training or imprinting the puppies. You see, we actually start training our puppies when they're 10 days old. So what happens is I go to the breeders, I pick up the mom and the puppies, and we bring them to our facility. When they get here, we start with Carmen, the Tigley, I can't see his last name right, we do start doing the biosensor training program, and we also started doing, like, early scent introduction. And what that meant was we were just exposing them to everyday scents. You know, we would expose them to the grass, into the rain, into the... Um, you know, the pine and just all different kinds of things that are in our environment, thinking this would make it easier as they got older, not even really having a a goal in mind. I just thought it was, well, what, what does it hurt? Their eyes and ears aren't even open. Their sense, their, their sense of smell is like fascinating at this time. I mean, look at what dogs can do with their sense of smell and the fact that we're, it's an underused, item in dog training is their capability of a sense of smell. So we started doing this and then all of a sudden we started inputting the data into the computer and we were finding many, many similarities for dogs that like specific scents. Uh, so we then it then got broken down into uh calming sense, environmental sense, and stimulating sense. We found specific things that if they turned out positive or negative or whatever it may be, was leading us to specific personality traits of that dog. So, pushed from the shove, we went through over 250 dogs that we had done, got all the results, and have a system now that tells us if what the dog likes, we text the dog when the dog comes for 12 days, they just smell the scent. We determine if it is positive, negative, mixed, extremely, you know, negative, extremely positive reactions. We then log it into our system, and then it gives us back the learning capabilities, the focus capabilities, and the socialization capabilities of the dog. So by the time the puppies, for us that are 22 days old, we already know how that dog is going to learn, how that dog's focus capability, and then how the dog's social capability. So now I can shape how that dog learns. So if I find a dog that is highly um, distracted, where we've got, basically came back or told me it was highly distracted in the environment. Well, I'm not going to teach that dog to walk on a leash outside where (laughs) all the distractions are. That dog is going to go inside and learn how to walk on a leash inside before we even go outside. Or maybe I, I find that a dog is very uh, to sounds, very timid to sounds or something. Right away, as soon as those dog's ears are opening, I'm going to start making a little bit sounds louder, louder, louder. So we basically imprint on the dog, hey, it's no big deal. You don't have to worry about it. So what we did then was we made this available to new puppy owners. Um, and you can do this as soon as you get your puppy. And we tell people, just test your puppy, send us the you know the information, go to our website, log it on, send us the information, within 48 hours, we will send you back exactly how your dog learned. It's almost like a DNA test, like a wisdom panel, so to speak. Um, but it's like I said, checking your puppy's personality. And then along in that kit, then we have where we've got a DVD in there for you teaching you how to do the temperament, some of the things that we do. We do canine massage. We do yoga. We do, you know, put the dogs in the hot tub, in the pool, and do all these kinds of things that little bitty things that you can do or something as simple as uh, we use a boogie board and we put the dog on, like, in either a, a sink or a bathtub or depending on the size of the dog, you can do it in the pool. We use a surfboard when. It's summertime in the pool. If you make the movement, it helps where the dogs won't get car sick. So there's a lot of things that you can do, you know, to further enhance teaching your puppy.
1: And it's it's so proactive instead of reactive because it like addresses the situation earlier. Now, one thing we talked a little, you talked a little bit about these, you know, the dogs that do get sent back to shelters or don't make it in a home. And instead of taking the dogs, through the training program, they do return them to the shelter or the rescue. Do mm-hmm. you find that your program helps to decrease this, this from happening? Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know, like, with, with our research,
4: basically for us, this started out as a research. But and I'm not funded by anyone, so that's why I have to go buy litters, basically, from the breeder. Then we turn around and we sell those trained dogs. Um, we've done dogs for Homeland Security. We've done dogs for people that have diabetes. We've done dogs for, you know, people that have PTSD and all different kinds of things. And I, it's a constant, what I hear back is, I can't believe how calm the dogs are. I can't believe that the dogs listen. We go in a different perspective and it just, it goes back to training, like how you do with your kids though. I mean, you tell your kids what you want them to do. The average person knows that the dog is going to jump. They open the door and then they yell at the dog for jumping at the person on the other side. And all they had to do was turn to the dog and say, you just sit. I mean, tell the dog ahead of time. If you saw a child running to the door, you'd be, hey, no, no, wait a minute, don't go out there. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting the child run out and yell at the child. But we, for whatever reason, the majority of people think to yell first at the dog as opposed to giving instruction. Just tell the dog what you want them to do. We don't use clickers. We don't use collars. We just use our voice. <laughs> we talk to the dogs. We tell them, hey, that's this is what we need. This is what we need from you. And they're like, okay, they do it. I mean, it's just, it's amazing when you learn how to communicate with them on their level.
1: Yeah, that's, and that's exactly what it sounds like you're doing. Now, what is the goal? Like, what is your ultimate goal of this program? And because it's relatively new to me, and I've, I, I'm, have i you know, I'm very impressed with it, and I'm impressed with the way that you, you know, you get the dogs trained and you assess them. It it just seems, and I don't want to use the word common sense, but it seems like it's easy. It's simple. Yeah, it's really simple. <laughs> so what is your your goal to, like, get it out to everybody or have everybody learn? i want to scream it from the rooftops. I mean, that, <laughs> I don't blame
4: you. <laughs> I mean, it is so, I want to do whatever I can to make a difference. And that's one thing that we did with with the Empower Puppy program, with the with the one scent kit that we do for, we have a scent kit available for um, new puppy owners. We also have a scent kit available for breeders. Because breeders can do the same thing. What a great way. That's where we have to start because what a great way for a breeder knowing, I've got a litter here. And, well, this puppy would match this family and this puppy would match this family. Because if you now know this is a more calmer puppy or a more timid puppy and this is a very exuberant, confident puppy, you're not going to stick that, like, super calm, scared puppy in a house full You're going to place it with an older couple or a retired couple. You know, you want, if we can start placing the dogs where they need to be and that starts from the root of it. But if we can teach people how their dogs communicate, I mean, we have eight week old dogs matching items. We have 13 week old dogs reading flashcards. I can hold up a card that says laying, sitting, uh, standing, and the dogs are doing it. And I'm not saying a word. Wow. I mean, it's, it's literally amazing what these dogs are capable of doing when you teach them in a way that they can understand. And it's simple. You just tell them what you want. I mean, I, 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 I like, I can, I mean, I'm so excited about it. And that's why I said I just don't know how to let everybody know. <laughs> but in that one kit, what we, what we're doing is because I want to know if this works on older dogs as well as far as determining the personality with the scent. So we've created the Empower Puppy project. So if you purchase one of the kits from us, um, in there, you'll see we ask you to pass it forward. Uh, Pass it on to somebody that has an older dog or whatever it may be. Let them take the test as well because there's enough essential oils and all that other kind of stuff in the test for it. Um, Then they can go on to our website. They can log in their information, answer, I think I have about 14 questions on there um, as far as the personality of their dog, and I want to see does this work for older dogs? Because do you know how awesome that would be if we found out that it did and then we could do these in shelters and rescues and be like, okay, well, this dog is this and this dog is this and, hey, sorry, but it's not going to match your family. And then we can change it. Then we can make a difference. I mean, what if this 10 years down the road was just like, oh, my God, look how we decreased all the dogs in the shelters and rescues because our whole thing is a vicious cycle. What are we doing about it? As a society, we're not doing anything about it. We're just... Everybody feels bad, and everybody's, oh, adopt, don't shop. Hey, I get all that, but what are you doing to stop it?
1: well and you know one of my questions was going to be could this work on an older dog or like i i rescue senior dogs i mean could it uh-huh. work on something like that so that I don't you, know. there's so many in good lord there's so many in the shelters right. if something like this were used i mean i think that it would help to help with placement help decrease that boomerang effect that goes on Absolutely. yeah I, I mean this Absolute, is this is truly awesome yeah
4: I mean, that's the goal. So that's why, like I said, I wanted to let everybody know about it because it's like let's, we have to test it. We I don't have a way of testing the older dogs. Puppies I can do because I can go buy the litter. Puppies I know it works over and over and over because I've been doing it for four years. But I don't know what it does with older dogs. But that would be, like, the coolest thing ever if it did.
1: Well, now, for people who want to learn more about you, learn more about this and find out how they can get involved, whether it be, you know, their puppies or if someone has an older mm-hmm. dog that they want to, you know, purchase the kit or, or get involved in mm-hmm. what, what it is you're doing, this project, where can they go? How can they find out more about this?
4: Um, you can go to, we have two websites, the EmpoweredPuppy.com. Puppy, Empowered And that will take you into our main system. We actually have a a DVD series of 12 weeks of us raising the puppies. You see every single thing we do. That's here a series for trainers and different breeders and so forth that they can do. Um, We also have a cognition kit for new puppy owners, a cognition uh, and fitness kit that we show you how to teach your 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 week old puppy, whatever may be, how to read the flashcards, how to do, how to imitate you. We actually teach dogs by watching television. (laughs) <laughs> um, so they can learn more about that. They learn as far as the personality kits on there. And then we have our trainingcanines.com website, which are actually the dogs that we're working with at the current time. And that's those dogs that, you know, you can see what they're doing and they are the ones that we actually sell. So we can keep everything positive. <laughs> you know, and going back and forth. So well, those are the two websites.
1: Kim, I have to tell you, what you're doing is absolutely mind blowing. It's so it's so simple, yet it's so advanced yeah. at the same time. And I uh, I commend you for what you're doing. I thank you. Uh, I'm really sorry that the chef industry lost you, but I'm really happy that <laughs> the training group industry got you. But um, thank you. And we're gonna have your information linked on our website, um, on our Facebook page, the Doggy Diva Show. So we'll have uh, the Pup Dot com and com and so anyone who wants to go please you're going to learn a lot you're probably going to want to get involved and I'm telling you this is revolutionary and I do see this as helping with that boomerang dog problem I really really oh, I do. hope so mm-hmm. as again I, I love so. being proactive not reactive and I think that that's what mm-hmm. this is all about so Kim thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for making a difference in so many dogs lives. thank you so much We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Doggy Diva Show listeners. Susan Marie here to take just a half a minute to let you know how much we appreciate your being with us every week to hear great dog tips you can use with your pet, some great stories about rescues, fostering, and some heartwarming stories about second chances for pets who are now in loving forever homes. Be sure to go to our website, thedoggydiva.com, to see pictures of Miss Olive and other dogs we talk about on the show and get to know us a little better. That's thedoggiediva.com, D-O-G-G-Y. We appreciate your feedback, too. Okay, let's get back to the show. Next, how to make some nutritious homemade treats for your pets. Stay with us.
2: Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy?
0: Let's talk pets.
3: Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.
4: Pet
0: Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. .com.
1: <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Hmm. Dessert doesn't have to be unhealthy to be delicious, especially when it's a nutritious homemade dessert for your four-legged or, in Miss Olive's case, three-legged best friend. Author of Doggy Dessert, Cheryl G.M. Francesco, shares 125 of her own easy-to-prepare recipes that are natural, preservative-free, and dogs love them I can personally attest to it because I use some of these recipes on my gang. Um, so we are all happy to have Cheryl with us today to tell us how to make those yummy, wholesome treats for our pups with love. Welcome, Cheryl.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure. My Actually, my background is in finance and accounting, believe it or not. Um, that's pretty much it was the love of my dog Cooper that created all these recipes and these books um, because he cannot eat regular food. He, you know, back uh, 15, 20 years ago, they didn't have all the natural dog products that they have now. So I had to make them for him.
1: So, Cooper was basically your start into Bacon for Dogs.
3: Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) Now, who was your inspiration for actually writing the book Doggy Desserts, which I love. I love the cover. It's,
3: Thank you. Thank it's, you. It's
1: so beautiful, and um, and it's it's just a great book. It's a great book for pet parents. So, who was your inspiration for writing this book?
3: Right. Well, again, everything um, has always been because of Cooper. Um, even once I've had other dogs, um, they didn't have those same problems, and I would sit and think there has to be other dogs like Coop that you know couldn't eat eat anything there's dogs that are having problems even eating dog food Mm -hmm. so that's what kind of pushed me to do it it was a total unselfish it's for love of dogs and that's really the whole the whole truth of it
1: well now your recipes are very healthy they're natural they're preservative free can you just share with the listeners how important this is uh for pet parents and their pups
3: well, a lot of people don't understand really what's even in their dog's food. And basically, if, if let's think about dog food is this little one kibble, it's a power food, okay? Everything your dog's getting nutritional wise is in this one little kibble. So, if you think about it, you want to give them the best that they can possibly have. And that's the same thing with their treats. They don't live very long, and you want to extend it and give them the best life they can possibly have.
1: Can you share with us, like, a few of your favorite recipes?
3: Sure. Um, actually, um, so after Cooper passed away, uh, a few years later, I got another Akita, and his name was Casanova. And Casanova, unlike Coop, um, d- didn't have any problems, but he was more, he liked more protein-based um Uh, food treats everything so i actually purchased a dehydrator and started dehydrating a lot of people are are buying their dehydrated dog treats yeah and i made them myself and it's so simple it really it it, there's it's a shame (laughs) for people not (laughs) to do because you don't even need to dehydrate you can do it in your oven if if you that's how i originally started doing it in my oven and basically you get a bunch of chicken breasts. And why chicken breasts? Because there's no fat in it. Because when you're when you're doing the dehydrating either way, either in your stove or, or in, you don't want the fat. So I use chicken breasts. I would slice them as thin as possible. I would use a mallet to make them even thinner. And then so for, for if I was doing it in my stove, I took a sheet pan and on top of the sheet pan, I would put a uh, a cookie cooler and, you know, one of those cookie cooling racks and I would put the chicken on, put it in my oven on 200 and I would leave it there for about 12 hours. Wow. And, and that's how you get it at home. If not, I have a dehydrator and in my dehydrator, I would do, um, do the same thing again, cut the chicken really thin, hit it it with a mallet, beat it up there for a little while and put it in the uh, dehydrator and I'll leave it there for twelve hours. And I had my own baked my own uh, tree set you this very expensive in the store. But I did it myself buying chicken on sale for my dog.
1: Now And that's amazing because I think people look at it, you know, look upon things and like, oh my gosh, this takes so long, or I don't understand how to do it, or it's so complicated. And I think you just simplified this, this whole thing. Now, when you're doing the the baking or making your food or um, what is like the best way to like select, bake and store all these homemade
3: treats? Okay. I put everything truly in a Ziploc bag and in the fridge. Hmm. So and I leave it in the fridge. Even even if I'm making the, the cookies, I, I want it as fresh as possible. And they can stay up to a month. Um I mean, it usually doesn't last that long in my household. <laughs> or <laughs> but
1: it,
3: it, it can stay up to a month.
1: Oh, that's really great to know because I also think that there's, like, a misnomer out there that if you do make your own stuff, it really doesn't last as long as if you buy the, um, you know, some of the stuff out there that has preservatives in preservatives. it. Preservatives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, for, I myself had asked, you know, I got your book, and I myself right. asked for a little puppy cookie cutter, um, you know, so that I could make my own little dog bone treats and little heart right. treats and everything. Now, um With what you're doing, your puppy treats, I'll tell you what I did. I have one that's allergic to a lot of stuff, so I made the salmon balls. Okay. Yeah, and then another one I did was the oatmeal bones, and they were very, very simple to do. Very simple. The dogs loved them, but, I mean, you have a lot of other stuff in here that, you know, with... um, with cheese and ham and just like there's so much. I mean, I kind of did the little simple ones, but right. there's, well, they're all pretty simple. I mean, they're not hard. There's not a lot of ingredients and it's extremely, um not only are the pictures adorable, but it's extremely uh, user-friendly, not um, overwhelming to to do. So where did you get your inspiration for some of the uh the like the the ham and I know you've got turkey ones, you've got some grapefruit ones and the carob. One. I mean, I was testing them. I mean, they're good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you. You know something? I I use the human recipes as my inspiration. I am constantly, even now that I'm not, you know, haven't made any any books in a while, and I haven't really made any new treats. I'm always looking at pictures of food. I'm looking at, oh, what are people eating? I mean, I constantly still doing that. And that would always be like, hey, I would, you know, I would look at Cooper, look at Casanova, I'm like, I wonder if you would like that. And then I would just try it. And and that's pretty much, you know, I, I've gotten, I was obsessed with it and the, the cooking and the baking, I enjoy doing it. So that's where a lot of it comes from. It's just pure enjoyment.
1: Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed doing it because there's so much. In- and there's, you know, you also have little muffins, you know.
3: Right. Yep.
1: I think that's going to be my next endeavor, the little muffins. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm feeling confident.
3: That's right. You can do it. <laughs> now, the- where, can,
1: where can the listeners go to learn more about you, to learn more about doggy desserts? I mean, it's... um. It's a beautiful book, and as I said, it's very easy to use, and it's just loaded with um, great recipes and in- information.
3: Thank you. Um, Actually, I do have a blog. It's, it's been a while. Uh, I'm going to be truthful since I've updated it because Casanova was sick for some time before, before he um, passed away, so mm-hmm. that's where a lot of my time went. But if they would like to look at happydogrecipes.com, They can go there and believe it or not, I've had a lot of readers contact me on Facebook. I have a regular Facebook page and they contact me and I'm I'm always responsive and sometimes they have questions and they, um, I'm always, uh, there to answer a question.
1: That's so nice because, um, it was it you know it was great when I connected with you because it's something that I was personally interested in personally benefited from and um and I just you know I just want to tell you that I'm very very sorry for your loss of Casanova thank and you, um thank you. And I want to thank you for writing this book. I mean, it's a great book uh, for those of you that are looking for it. It's called Doggy Desserts, D-O-G-G-Y Desserts by Cheryl. Cheryl, why don't we get your name spelled out there so that everyone can know where to go to look for you?
3: Okay. My, my first name, Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L. Last name, Gianfrancisco, G-I-A-N-F-R-A-N-C-E-S-C-O.
1: And go on. It's your books are available on Amazon. They're M-dog. available, yeah, everywhere where books are sold. So, and I want to uh, just let you know on behalf of my doggies and me, we thank you very much for getting this book together with all these yummy, healthy treats. And I'm sure that the listeners out there are going to absolutely love it. And oh, um, and again, your pictures throughout it are beautiful because I'm very visually motivated, so I like to oh. see what it is I'm going to be doing. Because right, right. some things don't do that. They just, you get like just plain old paper and it's just like, okay, yep. just deal with it. So, and I'm very <laughs> visual and I was very happy when mine turned out sort of like yours. So I was extremely so motivated. So I think muffins are the next thing we're going to do. And I'll, I'll have to let you know how they turn out. But I thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, love your book. And I'm sure all the listeners out there are going to love it too.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me. We would
1: like to thank our guests this week. And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great Diva Week, everyone.
0: That's all for this episode of The Doggy Diva Show. To find out more, go to our website, thedoggydiva.com. Also, find us on our Facebook page, The Doggy Diva Show and tell your fellow dog lovers about it. Don't miss Susan Marie, Miss Olive, and the Doggy Divas right here for the next episode. See you again soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.